The show you love with even more local, local news. news and more local talk. talk. The voice of the valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And a good afternoon to you. Beautiful afternoon here on Thursday in the California's Central Valley. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas with you, your personal concierge for conversation. And my honor to serve in that way for you as we are live and local to make sure that your voice is heard on all those subjects and topics that affect us right here in California's Central Valley. Welcome to you. I always believe in giving credit where credit is due and stopping from time to time to talk about the good things that happen. And attached to that, I will often, and I, I take the extra effort, when there is excellent customer service, I call the company or the business, whatever it might be, to make sure that they know that their employee or their representative does a good job. With all the negativity today, with all the cancel culture running around, I think it's important to take time to give credit where credit is due. Now, tied to that, I think it's very important, as you know, for us to stand up for what we believe in. And in order to do that, in order to have influence, in order to hear other perspectives, in order to enter into intelligent, rational, reasonable, and respectful conversations, we need to engage with other people. And there was there was a, a, a melding of all of that this morning. My... Uh, my wife's uh, front right tire blew out, and uh, I mean, really blew out on the way home. And so we uh, we needed to call uh, AAA and and uh, have someone come out and assist with uh, a spare on there, so I could go get um, a new tire uh, put on. And what I what I want to underscore today is the value of listening to other people's stories. The man that came out, uh, and he was from a local uh, dealer <clears throat> dealership in the uh, Oakdale area, his name was Karam. And Karam, as I listened to his story, took the time to listen to him. His family left Iraq in 1974 because of the outright persecution of Christians. And he told me his story. And I don't want to embarrass him here. I'm not going to go into detail. Sometime if uh, he he calls us here and gives me permission, I'll, I'll go into detail. But it's quite a story. And he has a perspective that a lot of people don't here in the United States as we talk about immigration. His family was being persecuted. And uh, they, they went to another country for a while, eventually came to the United States uh, in, uh, in Chicago, I believe it was, and then, and then later came to uh, the Modesto area um, many, many years ago. Point being that it was a joy to hear his story. And we now have uh, the beginnings of a relationship built where we can talk with each other honestly about immigration. To him, 
being an immigrant to the United States of America is an honor. It's a privilege. And he and his family went through to make, went through the processes, which are lengthy, to do it legally. And so he has a very interesting perspective when it comes to those folks now who are pouring over the border, over the southern border, with abandon. And the Biden administration seems to be perfectly fine with that. And if we get to it today, we'll, we'll get some input from legislators in the, in the Texas area. But the point being that oftentimes we don't get these other perspectives that are so valuable in helping us form our own opinions if we don't stop and allow our stories to intersect other people's stories. That is so important. And I have learned, especially in the past 25 years of vocational ministry, how important it is to listen well, to be curious about other people's stories, to to not interrupt and give my story unless I'm asked, but to listen to theirs. I mean, listening to uh, Karam this morning, was a great joy. And I, I, I take so much joy in meeting you, our listeners, out in the highways and byways. <clears throat> Normally, don't look to do that when we have flat tires, but there are other occasions as well. I've, I've met some of you while I was officiating funerals. I've met others of you as I was <clears throat> bringing in my rider mower that was on death's door. Others of you I recently met uh, while I was giving the message at the at an Easter sunrise service at, at Lakewood Memorial Park. You never know when these opportunities are, and I, it, it is, I can't tell you the feeling that I have, the joy that I experience in being able to share stories with you. And again, I would put it this way, it, it's the... It's the dynamic of intentionally seeking out other people's stories so that your story can intersect with theirs. And then relationships build, and when relationships build, trust builds. And when trust builds, then we can talk honestly with each other and have differing opinions and agree to disagree even without being disagreeable. And so again, uh, I just treasure these opportunities to um, to meet you, uh, our listeners, as uh, as we're out there. And and please, if uh, I'm anywhere where you are, please come up and say hi. I would love to uh, love to hear uh, your your story. I believe that that a pathway to a, a healthy culture, which we don't have right now, we have an unhealthy culture. But a healthy culture has the tenets of being able to be confident and resolute and stand for what you know to be true and to share your opinions in the marketplace of ideas without being shredded by someone who has a different opinion. And that's why I value what Elon Musk is doing. I think if Elon Musk, and I doubt I will ever meet Elon Musk, but you never know, uh, I probably won't go up in the space 
craft, but it, it would be an adventure. But the, the point being that Elon Musk and I probably are going to find things where we're going to disagree, but there are other things where we're going to agree. And I, I would love to hear more of his story about how, how he became an entrepreneur. Love to hear his story of <clears throat> what, what he went through uh, in terms of his thought processes to purchase Twitter. And I love that. I love that act. And I, I think uh, he may be a tipping point for us in terms of preserving the value of the marketplace of ideas in the United States of America. I think that's very important. So for us, getting, getting back to my main point here, it is so important for us to engage with others and be curious about their stories and listen well without interrupting. I do my best not to interrupt here on the Mike Douglas Show because I want to know what you have to say. Now, remember, God's time is eternal. Radio is not, so I I have to hit certain marks here because we have certain breaks we need to take for uh, those who help sponsor the show and, and news and traffic and weather. So there is that dynamic. We We can't spend two hours with one caller, but I, I try to allow sufficient time for you to develop your opinions, and, and you all do so well with that, being able to concatenate what you want to say and and get it done and, and, and be very clear about uh, your points. We value that. <clears throat> we value that, and it will always be my my mission here to make sure that you have sufficient airtime to do that. And that's why we focus a lot on taking telephone calls. We do some interviews, but uh, really the the star of the show is is you. And we want to know your story. We want to know why you believe what you believe and what your opinions are. And so we are uh, we are very, very dedicated to that. So I just wanted to start the show today, number one, by by thanking my new friend, Karam, who is a listener to this show, for sharing his story with me yesterday and for changing the tire on my wife's car. And uh, so thank you, uh, Karam, for that. And uh, expand that a little bit. I want to thank you personally as our listening audience for the contributions that you make to this show to make it uh, so successful. And, uh, and, and it's just a joy for me to join you 3 to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. All right, coming up in the whole realm of how do we take back a culture that is descending into Hades? <clears throat> well, I think some of the best ways to do that is to develop relationships, even with people who may disagree with us, but also to stand resolutely for the truth, to be confident, resolute, to stand firm upon what we know to be true, to stand in the light, not in the twilight, not in the gray areas, and for goodness sakes, not to stand in the darkness, but to stand in the light of truth. And to take the opportunities to, especially with those in our spheres of influence, especially family, especially children, to identify the twilight areas, the gray areas, and what I would call the dark areas when we hear them. 
And I'm going to give you one of those opportunities here in just a moment through <laughs> an amazing soundbite from an actress named Megan Fox. And she did a, an interview with uh, uh, Glamour Unfiltered. Now, why are you even talking about Megan Fox? Because it's an abject lesson on how we can use her example and what she says to let our children, grandchildren, extended family know the difference between good and evil, health and unhealth, good and bad. Are you buckle your seatbelts for this? We'll be back in five, in three minutes, back in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. He's got issues. Let's talk about it. The Mike Douglas Show on air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Thanks for joining us here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Been talking about taking opportunities to stand for what's true, to not be afraid or intimidated by deception, uh, but to uh, very matter of factly and respectfully announce what's true or what's not true. Here's a prime example where we can take the opportunity to to uh, say to our children, our children's children, or their children's children, extended family, whatever it might be, uh, spheres of influence, to announce what's true and what's not. To announce what's healthy, to announce what's not healthy. Matter-of-factly, we don't have to get red in the va- in the face and, and shout and stomp our feet and all of that. But let, let me take an abject uh, lesson here. I'm going to use Megan Fox. Now, I have to be very honest with you. I had to look up who Megan Fox is. Uh, she is an actress. Uh, starred in, or was at least in, Teenage Mutant Turtles in 2014. I, I never watched Teenage Mutant Turtles. Zeroville, did anybody see Zeroville in 2019? She was in that. Uh, 2009, she was in Jennifer's Body, which I guess was a very strange movie. And in 2007, Transformers. I've watched none of them. And that's probably why I don't know who Megan Fox is. Uh, She has a fiancé or husband named Machine Gun Kelly. Now, he's a, a musician and actor. Now, my reference point for Machine Gun Kelly is uh, being a teenager in Los Angeles back in the 1970s. The bit, one of the big DJs there on uh, 93KHJ was Machine Gun Kelly. We all heard Machine Gun Kelly, DJ there. He was later with uh, KTNQ and later KISS FM uh, down in Los Angeles. He had a lot of voiceovers and that sort of thing. Anyway, not him, not that one. But there's a, a younger musician, actor, I guess, named Machine Gun Kelly. Shows you what I know. I had to look him up, too. Here's, here's why I'm bringing this whole thing up. Here is Megan Fox on Glamour Unfiltered. This is part of the Glamour magazine empire. L- listen to what she has to say here. It's just a few drops. But yes, we do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes. What? What what was that, Mike? Mm, Yeah. Uh, Megan Fox is on this Glamour Unfiltered, 
Now, do you see the juxtaposition there? Glamour is making it glamorous to feature Megan Fox talking about drinking blood with her fiancé or husband, Machine Gun Kelly. She amplifies this uh, a little bit. My thoughts and intentions grew him into the person that he is. Who knows what he would have looked like or been like if it wasn't for me. I guess to drink each other's blood might mislead people or like people are imagining us with like goblets and we're like Game of Thrones drinking each other's blood. It's just a few drops, but yes, we do consume each other's blood on occasion for ritual purposes only. (laughs) It is used for a reason and it is controlled where it's like, let's shed a few drops of blood and each drink it. He's much more haphazard and hectic and chaotic where he's willing to just like cut his chest open with broken glass and be like, take my soul. Let me bleed on you. <laughs> it doesn't not happen, let me tell you. Maybe not exactly like that, but it a version of that has happened many times. Mm. How glamorous. How glamorous. What well, why is glamour, the glamour empire, putting trash like this on their website? Now you say, well, Mike, you're being hypocritical. Why are you doing it? Because I'm doing it in order to not be hypocritical. I'm doing it to do what I've said that we need to do, and that is stand up when we hear things like this or see things like this. It, it's it's on a lot of social media right now. A lot of news agencies are, are carrying this clip now, and I feel it's necessary for us to say, to our spheres of influence, and especially to young people, this is evil. No, 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 you can't say that, Mike. Well, yes, yes, I can. Uh, Drinking human blood is evil. Well, what about blood transfusions? That's not a ritual. I I can anticipate that question coming. It's, It's not a ritual. It's a medical procedure. What she's talking about is a ritual that is steeped in pagan practices dated back, dating back to the Canaanites. I'm not going to go into all of that uh, here. I, I might if I was preaching, but that's not what we do here. My point being, here is a perfect opportunity for us to say to our spheres of influence and for us to say to children, relatives, nieces, nephews, whatever it might be, whoever they are, this is evil. This is evil. And this is not normal as much as Megan Fox and Glamour and and Hollywood will try to normalize what is not normal and true, we must stand for and recognize what's true. This is not glamorous, not even healthy. It's a pagan practice. And the the ritual is steeped in very evil pagan practices. So what do you think? How what what would you tell your sphere of influence? What would you tell your kids or grandkids, great grandkids? kids, nieces, nephews, how would you approach it with them if if they came to you and say, hey, I just heard Megan Fox say that she and her fiancé or husband, whatever he is, they they drink drops of blood together. How would you respond to that? 
Our phone number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. We'll talk about it in five minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. The Mike Douglas Show, now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. With the big news of the day, here's more of the Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5 on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show. Mike Douglas here, your concierge for conversation. And the conversation right now centering around uh, something that's out there right now. And I'm sure a lot of uh, young people and even not so young people are are listening to this. Megan, the actress Megan Fox and her husband, uh, Machine Gun Kelly, not the DJ of the 1970s uh, that I knew, but uh, it's He's a musician and actor as well, uh, saying that they uh, ritualistically uh, drink uh, drops of each other's blood from time to time. Uh, My wife just walked into the studio here and said, I love you very, very much, but I will never drink a drop of your blood. So that was good. I was I was I was glad to hear that. Let's go to the phones and see what you think. What would you tell your sphere of influence or your children, your children's children, nieces, nephews? What would you tell them? How would you respond to Megan Fox? And what would you want to communicate to your children or the young people in your sphere of influence? Our number here, 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. Let's find out what Cheryl in Manteca thinks. Hi, Cheryl. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mike. How are you? Good. Good. Okay, first of all, Megan Fox was not yet married to Machine Gun Kelly. Megan Fox was at one time married to Brian Austin Green, who was from the 90210 series. You know, when you got two consenting adults, they can do what they want to do, but she has three children between the ages of five and nine years old. So what is this telling them? is what my question is. Mm. I, of course, if I had a younger child, I would be telling them, this is no good, you know, I don't don't ever do this. Um, being as they're, in, they're both in the entertainment business, they are very influential to those who follow them, be they, be they adults or children. Um, but I just wonder, what is this saying to her own kids, her very young kids? Great point. Cheryl, I think that is a superior observation. Yeah, Cheryl, thanks so much for the call. Great, uh, great thought there. Uh, what What's this doing to, to her children? And I think that's one of the... That's one of the reasons I advocate standing for what's true. So many people say, well, let, you know, to let, let them uh, decide what they're going to decide. I, I don't want to influence their opinions. No! To me, that's part of the parental responsibility is to is to influence our children early on so that they grow up to be healthy. All right, let's go back to the phones, 209-551-3483, and we're going to talk to AZ in, uh, in Modesto. Hello, sir. Welcome to the show. 
Hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for the show, and I really like all the subjects that you go through. And I'm going to comment a small comment on this subject right now, but uh, I was telling uh, the producer that I'm originally from Iraq, and I heard the story like towards the beginning of the show, and uh, I wanted to give some thoughts and, you know, talk a little bit about my experience over here in the United States, if you don't mind. Please do so, yes. Okay, so on the subject, I mean, definitely, it's really, really a sad thing to see, you know, that kind of stuff being normalized more and more in our society nowadays. But uh, definitely, it's something super unacceptable. You know, like, no one wants for his kids to grow up in a society where they're normalized anything that is abnormal. Now, um, back to, to my story. Um, I'm a first-generation uh, refugee from Iraq. I got here to the United States, um, i say about 12 years ago. And I really, you know, like, I'm loving everything about my new country, United States. I'll frame it this way. Because I lost once what I called home, and I'm, I don't have plans to lose my current home. So seeing all what's going on, you know, the craziness, all the immigration on the border and all that kind of stuff, really frustrating because just like uh, the person who helped you out, um, I don't know if, if, you, if I pronounce his name right, his name is Karam? Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm pretty sure he experienced a lot of things prior to getting here um, for his final destination. So do I. I had to stay six years, you know, uh, over in Syria, which is the, the next country to Iraq, before I was granted permission to come over to the state. But like I said, long story short, all what's going on nowadays is really making me unhappy because I don't want my kids to experience what I experienced and definitely not see anything, any of the craziness that is going on in the world. So let's try to keep the United States, you know, as united, as good as it can be. Let me ask you, and by the way, thank you for, for sharing your story with us. Let me ask you, as, as you hear the news of, of the border being wide open and people flowing over and, and being uh, flown or, or driven to different parts of the, of the country and not going through the process that, that you had to go through, What's your reaction to that? I, I mean, we appreciate you, uh, and and we appreciate Karam that I met this morning. Uh, we we I love immigration because that's what the United States of America really is 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 all about is is this melting pot of, of different cultures and. Thus far, we've made it work. Right now, I think we're almost on life support. But let me ask you: as as you look at the current policy on the on uh, on the border, how does that make you feel, having to have gone through what you went through to become uh, a, a legal immigrant? 
Well, uh, let me start by saying I am a United States citizen. Amen. And uh, honestly, I mean, to go through that process, it wasn't easy at all. You know, we were vetted um, to the extreme, and there were certain things that we were, you know, allowed to talk about back then before we we get the, the visa. But, uh, I mean, that stuff is all from the past. Honestly, but for for the issue on the on the borders, honestly, a country without borders is not even a country. So, from a standing point, right there, you know, like I said, this is my country, my homeland, and I hate to see it going that way with the United States of America because this is the beginning of a fall. Honestly, that's what we witnessed in Iraq. We saw a lot of bad things like that. And it was the beginning of the end. So, honestly, I don't want to see any of that happening over here. And leaving the borders wide open, um, I guess it, it lets, like, anybody come in unvetted. And you have no control over who's coming and crossing the border. So, could be diseases, could be terrorists, could be anything. So, I mean... I don't get why would we leave the borders open like that instead of going through the legal channels, you know, vetting everybody and and bringing them legally to the country. I th- thank you for your observations. Let me ask you one one more question, if you don't mind. What is one thing that you see, and just one thing that you see happening in the United States of America today? that sends up a red flag for you having had your experience in iraq how what what is one thing you see happening in our culture today that you would say man you need to watch out been there done that you need to be careful about this what's one thing that you would identify as a red flag racial division racial division interesting Did you I mean, face... Honestly, uh, the more... I, mean, I, I wasn't faced myself, you know, like, to a certain extent, but uh, I've been seeing more and more, you know, of a lot of people, you know, getting into race and, and talking more and more about race rather than, than speaking in general as an American. And that, that itself, you know, raises a lot of red flags because that was one of the things that we were experiencing over there all the time. Besides, you know, being prosecuted for our faith. Right. Right. Well, my friend, I, I want to tell you, we are blessed to have you in our radio listening audience. Thank you so much for bringing your perspective to this uh, conversation today. We appreciate it so much, and we appreciate you. Again, thanks so much for calling in, and, and thanks for being part of our listening audience. Again, we're blessed to have you. Definitely. Thanks for having me on the show today. A- absolutely. Great, great call, great uh, discussion. Well, we're talking about red flags. You know what's a red flag for me? Thinking about trying to sell real estate without some help. 
And I, I think it takes an expert, and I've got one. His name is Dan Phipps. Uh, let, just look at what's happening today. Good reasons to sell. If you're in a mind to sell right now, good time to do it. Prices are up, inventory is low, and future interest rates, they're uncertain, aren't they? So maybe do you have a growing family or maybe you're working from home and you just need more space. Call the agent I trust. His name is Dan Phipps. His proprietary marketing system guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours for full market value, or Dan will sell it for free. In fact, his home selling program is specifically designed to maximize your sales price. You're in complete control. Here are the here are the goals, and he does a great job with us. No long-term contracts, no required costly repairs, and you pick your move date. Dan can even find you a new home before you move. Carrie and Melissa and Merced, they tell us that due to some life changes, they needed to sell in a hurry, but they also needed full value for their home. They heard about Dan Phipps, and they got a hold of him. They said day one, Dan launched into action, and that he sold their home in days and got them $30,000 more than the same house only a block away. So call Dan Phipps. He is the man. Dan Phipps is the man I recommend, and I would hire to sell my own home. He's the only agent. Guarantees multiple offers in 72 hours or it's sold free. So call Dan Phipps, 209-840-6378 or go to danphipps.com. That's Dan Phipps with three P's, D-A-N-P-H-I-P-P-S.com. And the Mike Douglas Show will continue in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. On air and online. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you with the iHeartRadio app. Search 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. We're exploring uh, a, a multitude of subjects today that have to do with announcing what we know to be true and calling things as they are. I think that is so important. Uh, you know, we've... Uh, been intimidated, I think, into not saying anything. We've been intimidated by the mass media. We've been intimidated by Hollywood. In fact, I had a discussion yesterday. I have a, a weekly prayer time with fellow pastors every every Wednesday at noon, and we were talking about the detrimental effects of the lack of good fathers in homes that a healthy home really needs, in, in the best of all possible worlds, a father and a mother. Children benefit from a father and a mother. Now, to those of you who are in a situation where you're a single parent, I am not. I am not in any way, shape, or form uh, saying that you are not significant or you're less than. No, I, I have counseled many. Uh, single parents, advancing vibrant communities. We help single parents all the time. What I'm saying is, and this comes from my worldview, that God's ultimate intent was a family would have a father and a mother and then have children, and that the father and the mother would provide good parenting. That's, That's the ultimate. One of the problems that we're facing in today's culture is that there is a lack, uh, or there are a lack of fathers 
in in many homes across this country. I was talking to a jail chaplain in this discussion as well, and he said, I think he said something like 70%, uh, I think I have that right, of the the men that he deals with in, um, in jails uh, didn't have fathers growing up, didn't have fathers present, and they're obviously not present for their families either. And it, it, the, the, the pre- Hollywood especially has demeaned the role of a father for decades. They've made fun of fathers. They have demeaned fathers. They have lessened the importance of fathers. They have bought into this thing that fathers aren't really needed. They're just uh, males that uh, are an appendage that needs to be cut off of the family body. I, and and it, it is healthy for fathers to take ownership of their roles. And I know for many it's hard. Many, many people have grown up with fathers that weren't so healthy. It's okay. We can always break that generational chain. We can always break those generational shackles and bonds that often drag us down by saying, I can overcome this. And I think one of the most important things we need to look for is reinstating the importance of the father in the home. I think that is so important. And you're welcome to push back on that, but I I think a, a culture that intentionally demeans the role of a father, of fathers in general, is a culture that's on its way to extinction. And uh, all we have to look at, uh, again, is uh, so many fathers in jail, so many uh, children growing up without fathers, they need the father in the home. And uh, I'd be interested in your perspective on that. And again, those of you who are single parents, understand the circumstances you're in. I'm not criticizing you at all. What I'm saying is, in my worldview, the ultimate that God designed, the ultimate design God has for the family is for a mother and a father and children who are created male and female. They're not created, I don't know. They're not created cisgender or whatever, male and female. Now, children may get to the point where they have some gender identity issues. Fine and well. Deal with that. Deal with that in the home. But there is male and there is female. And I'm not jumping up and down. It's not that I'm on my ninth cup of coffee and I'm, uh, I'm overdoing it. I'm, I'm just saying matter-of-factly, we need to very gently but boldly announce what's true. There are men, there are women, there are males, and there are females. Now, if people decide they want to be the other gender when they grow up and they're of age to make their own decision, that's fine. See what you think about fathers. 209-551-3483. We'll go very quickly to Kathleen in Oakdale. Kathleen, what are your uh, thoughts about fathers in the home today? I think uh, fathers are needed in the home, but it does take uh, a pound of uh, meat every day. The father has to eat that 
to to really uh, stay in the home. Uh, a father in the home is like being outdoors, uh, outdoor work like Caltrans or Cal Fire. They need a pound of meat, or it's like being the National Guard on the border. They need a pound of meat a day, or it's like being on one of our um, uh, aircraft carriers out at sea, and uh, or any active duty, um, even coming home from active duty or before you go to active duty. Good idea to eat that pound of meat a day. Uh, your whole mind and body needs it. Uh, your immune system needs it. It really does make a strong immune system. To at a minimum eat a half pound of meat a day is ordinarily what we need. But a pregnant woman needs a pound of meat a day, and uh, young adults need a pound of meat a day, and uh, the outdoor workmen, the outdoor workforce needs a pound of meat a day. And uh, so, too, does the father in the home need a pound of meat a day. So part of what you're recommending is not only uh, a philosophical ascent here, but also a, a health one as well. And so you're, you're, you're probably recommending that vegetarianism probably is not, not the way to go for ultimate health. Well, I'm just saying that there's a reason that the men aren't in the home. It's, there's some, there's, there, it's not... It's, it's not happening for no reason that the men are not in the home. Um, and it's the same thing with the marriages going dysfunctional uh, in the 80s. Uh, the women were not being allowed to eat uh, a pound of meat a day. They were actually in competition uh, with their uh, spouses. I don't know if that's still going on now, um, uh, uh, but uh, uh, the attitudes have changed. That Yes, women do, in fact, uh, pregnant women do, in fact, need a pound of meat a day and um and then there's all the white collar workers who can afford the uh pound of meat a day but they don't need it just because Uh, you're a white collar worker it doesn't mean that you need it but oh p-o-m that that, that, uh, p-o-m a pound of meat a day kathleen kind of tying tying the health of the family to uh to diet that's an interesting perspective. Kathleen, thanks for your call. Uh, coming up in five minutes, going to talk about uh, a shooting in Empire and uh, the sentence the guy got uh, who did the shooting. And we'll also talk about a sheriff in Florida who talked about shooting people, too. Coming up in five minutes, Mike Douglas, Power Talk 1360, KFIB. The show you love with even more local news and more local talk. The Voice of the Valley. The Mike Douglas Show. Now weekdays from 3 till 5. On air and online. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Here's your host, Mike Douglas. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show as we head into our number two on this beautiful Thursday afternoon in California's Central Valley. Thank you so much for visiting with us here on the Mike Douglas Show. My job to be your personal concierge for conversation as we explore the issues of the day that affect you and me right here in California's Central Valley. Uh, here, here's an interesting update. And uh, you remember uh, f- well, a couple of weeks ago now, we were talking about the story in Turlock at Turlock High. There was a musical that was being put on by the student drama department there called Be More Chill. And it involved uh, some sexual references and, and themes and such. And the administration basically said, nope, we're not going to do that and shut the production down. I think we had one or two callers who actually saw uh, the, 
the first uh, presentation of Be More Chill. Well, here's the update. I want to see what you think about this. Uh, the, the school district now says, well, we're going to allow Turlock High drama to present Be More Chill. But the compromise here is that children under the age of 13 will not be permitted without a parent or guardian. Do you think that's a good compromise? Those of you who are familiar with this, again, I have not seen it. I saw a few write-ups on it. My understanding is it deals with sexual themes and such. And it was, I I guess, they were profound enough for the uh, Turlock Unified School District at first blush, no pun intended, to say, nope, nope, not allowed to do that. And they shut the production down. Now uh, they have come back and said, well, we're going to allow you to do it, but with this caveat that children under the age of 13 cannot get in, will not be permitted to attend without a parent or a guardian. Is that a good compromise? What do you think? 209-551-3483. Another story locally uh, that was very interesting to me and and this this gets into some heavy duty thought processes about the second amendment about the old adage that uh, a man's home is his castle uh, it, here's the story locally uh in empire just uh southeast of Modesto there. An empire man has been sentenced to a two-year prison term for the fatal shooting of someone who is trying, apparently, to run him over with a car. His name is Paul Rosas, and he, last year, shot a man named Tyler Rosas, I may have that wrong. I may have that last name wrong. The Anyway, the victim who was shot, his first name is Tyler. I may have the, the second name, uh, last name wrong. Anyway, he, um, he apparently was driving at trying to run down, I guess, it's Parks, I'm sorry. Tyler Parks uh, was the, uh, the victim here. So Tyler Parks apparently was aiming his car at Paul Rosas. Paul Rosas pulled out a, uh, a gun, uh, a weapon, firearm of some sort, and shot Tyler Parks in the head. So here's the, here's the outcome. The Stanislaus County DA said, well, there was a form of self-defense in the equation. In other words, Mr. Rosas, who fired the gun, was trying to defend himself, in the opinion of of the district attorney. And so, really, the charge was not about killing uh, Mr. Tyler Parks. The charges were Mr. Rosas being a felon in possession of the firearm he used, and apparently he hid or attempted to destroy the gun that was used. So two things that he was charged with, with a felon in possession of a firearm and destroying or concealing evidence 
which would be the gun that was used in the uh, shooting. So what do you think? Is this charge appropriate? Is the charge too light, given the fact that he killed uh, Mr. Parks? Do you think this is a good sentence? Or do you think it's an inappropriate sentence? Again, the scenario, Mr. Paul Rosas was fearing for his life, apparently, as Mr. Tyler Parks uh, attempted to run him over with a vehicle. So Mr. Rosas fired, hit him in the, uh, hit him in the head, and uh, Mr. Tyler Parks died. In the, in the aftermath, apparently, he hid the gun, tried to conceal it. And so that's what he's charged with. Do you think that's a, do you think it's appropriate, the sentence that he got? Our number here, 209-551-3483. There are so many things to think through in terms of this uh, particular scenario. Again, our phone number here, 209-551-3483. And that reminds me of, have, have you heard about the, the sheriff in Florida? Santa Rosa, Florida, I, um, I believe, yes, Santa Rosa County uh, in Florida. Sheriff Bob Johnson is all over the media right now. A lot, a lot of people are, a lot of media outlets are, are carrying his, his uh, little speech that he made. Apparently a, a family there, uh, someone was trying to uh, burglarize their home, and this person has a rap sheet of at least 17 arrests uh, on his record. So uh, apparently this uh, this guy with a, a long record attempted to burglarize this home in Santa Rosa area of Florida. And uh, unknown people on the property shot at him. And, and <laughs> this, uh, I'll get your opinion on this. This is what the sheriff said in the aftermath of all of that. We don't know what homeowner, which homeowner shot at him. Um, I guess they think that they did something wrong, which they did not. If somebody's breaking in your house, you're more than welcome to shoot them in Santa Rosa County. We prefer that you do, actually. Um, So whoever that was, you're not in trouble. Come see us. We have a gun safety class we put on every other Saturday. And if you take that, you'll shoot a lot better, and hopefully you'll save the taxpayers money. Wow. What do you think of that? Do you think that? You think the sheriff, you think that's appropriate? An appropriate remark for the sheriff. Again, his name is uh, Sheriff Bob Johnson uh, from Florida. And I'm, I'm all for being able to defend your property. Aren't you? 209-551-3483. I don't know that I would go to the extent of saying to people, I encourage you to shoot people. But I, I think I would go so far as to say you have the right to defend yourself on your property. Now, if that sheriff, if he said that here in California, uh, all you know what would break loose, wouldn't it? The media would be all over him. Uh, the attorney general would probably be all over him. And depending where he is, uh, the DA might be all over him as well. And he would be uh, pilloried, uh, at least in, uh, 
in an allegorical way. So I uh, <laughs> it's very, very interesting. What do you think? Do you, do you think that's an appropriate comment from the sheriff? 209-551-3483, 209-551-3483. So let, let's think, think through that scenario. I'll give you a couple minutes to think about this. Well, let, let me just plant some seeds for you. Uh, you're in your home. Someone attempts to break in your home, comes into your home. Don't you think you have the right to defend yourself? You you don't know who this person is. And I know, I know there have been accidental shootings. Got that. I understand. But let's look at the global issue here. Do we not have a right to protect our properties and to protect our family members? Our number 209-551-3483. We'll continue the conversation in three minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Take the Mike Douglas Show with you every weekday from 3 till 5. Download the free iHeartRadio app and follow 1360 KFIV. Welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for being part of the conversation. Without you, we need that uh, that two-party thing going. So we so much appreciate you being a key to the success of the Mike Douglas Show here. Uh, the opening of the show today, I, I mentioned how much I appreciated uh, a man that I met for the first time this morning. He rescued my wife's car uh, tire blew out. Uh, his name is uh, Kram, and and he came out and and told me his story. And again, I I'm underlying, uh, underlining the the tremendous importance of listening to other people's stories, of allowing our stories to intersect with their stories, and to build those relationships and uh, and those friendships. I mentioned that uh, he originally his family was being persecuted. In, uh, in Iraq back in uh, the mid to late 1970s. And uh, he uh, called our producer back and, and said that uh, he appreciated the kind words. And uh, he, he said he forgot to tell me that today is the anniversary of the day that he arrived in America. Krom arrived in America on April 28, 1974. He says that was the day my family walked into America. Uh, and uh, it, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And we think <laughs> I, I, it breaks my heart how our California state legislature and and the the Senate and and the House of Representatives and the White House, for the most part, those are who are in charge anyway, think the border is a non-issue. It's something to look the other way at or to blame on Donald Trump somehow. Uh, and and they're, they're not owning the dysfunction. And we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, later on today as well. But so many people are just being allowed to come over the, the border uh, willy-nilly. And willy-nilly is a theological term, by the way. And, and then you look at... Um, 
a, a caller that we had a little bit ago who had the same kind of story uh, from Iraq, and you look at Karam and his story about Iraq. Both of the both of their families were persecuted. Uh, Christians being persecuted in in Iraq at, at at that time, and they had to go through stuff. They had they had to jump through a lot of hoops to become citizens of the United States of America, and and they carry an appropriate sense of pride about that, and they carry a love for this country. I think that sometimes you and I miss. And I think our politicians miss it all the time because for these two men who have one has come into the my life over the air uh, today on a call and another came into my life today because my wife's uh, front right tire blew out on her on her car. And it, it is such a joy to hear these stories. And then we hear the politicians ignore and, and dismiss the issues at the border. We love immigrants. We love immigrants who come in legally, the legal way, and, and go through the process. Now, does the process need to be tweaked? Fine. Let's tweak the process. Let's make it better if we can. Let's deal with the border issues, but to simply turn your political eyes away for what political motives there are, I think it's a slap in the face to people like Karam and and uh, the gentleman that called us uh, not too long ago. I, I just it, it breaks my heart for all those, and I think many of you have the same kind of story that I do. My my family is not native here to America. You go back about two generations and a little little farther back than that. And uh, my family was in Scotland. They were uh, from the, the line of uh, Edward Bruce, uh, related to Robert Bruce, the king. And my family apparently was so rowdy that they kicked them out of Scotland to Ireland. And so my uh, forefathers and foremothers were in Ireland and then uh, out in the uh, midst of or in the aftermath of the potato famine, uh, they had babies that died and, and, uh, and such, just some tragic stuff going on. And they began to immigrate here to the United States and made their way to uh, New Mexico and uh, lived in dugouts during that time. And my uh, great-grandfather was uh, one of the first prairie doctors uh, for the plains in, uh, in New Mexico. And, and so I have a, a sense of pride in, in how my family immigrated here, and they did it, they did it the legal way. And I think that's what we're looking for. The other thing we're talking about is uh, legal ways and the legal principles behind Defending your own property. Let's hear what you think about that. 209-551-3483. Let's go out to LaGrange and Dennis. What do you think about our, our friend, the Florida sheriff? Gosh, he must be crazy thinking that uh, we should be able to defend our own property. It's just uh, amazing. But anyway, um, we need a lot more of that. Um, I grew up in the 50s in California admittedly in a small town in California, actually Modesto. But anyway, um, you I think you're a little younger than I am, and I know you're from the southern part of California. But, um, you know, people in this uh, city, in that city, 
used to leave their keys in their cars and they weren't in trouble for it. Uh, <laughs> that's how much people used to go away. We lived out on a farm and uh, we would go, friends would go away for two weeks and they'd say the screen door open. Would you come in and just make sure everything's all right where we're gone? That gives me the reason that I'm so uh, irritated about everything. Um, you know, the, that sheriff, I'll tell you, he was the kind of sheriff that there was at that time in the 50s when you're able to go anywhere in Modesto and not have any problems at all. Matter of fact, the only problem I ever had was people who knew me <laughs> yelling and saying, I'm going to tell your mother what you're doing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> anyway, right. Uh, and, you know, uh, an example of what's happened in this state is um, I don't know if you're familiar with a, a man named Carol Chessman. He, he was convicted of rape, I think, in the 50s. And he was kind of the first criminal that I understood um, kind of worked the system, or his lawyers did, so that it took a long time, not nearly what it does now, but finally they did execute him uh, for a rape. Can you imagine that? Nowadays, I'm not even sure they even prosecute any. Of course, they don't prosecute anyone for anything. Yeah. And talk about criminals. How about our governor and all his minions? They break the law all the time, right? They do. I mean, we see it every day. They admit to it. Sanctuary cities and that kind of crap. And, uh, you know... We just were accommodate. We we allow it to go on. That's why we're all a bunch of well, wussified babies anymore. Dennis, I think that's the key here: is we allow it to go on. Dennis, thanks so much for the call. Some great points there. I think Dennis, the other consideration is that there are so many perverted value systems at work today, and uh, that contributes to a lot of the perversion of justice. I think that uh, that we see. Uh, today. So uh, thank you very much for your call. We appreciate that. I'll be back in five minutes here on the Mike Douglas Show on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Back with your calls after this. You're listening to the Mike Douglas Show, the voice of the valley. Power Talk 1360 KFIV. And welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Thank you so much for joining us this beautiful Thursday afternoon in California's Central Valley. We've been talking about uh, the uh, Florida sheriff in Santa Rosa, uh, Florida, Sheriff Bob Johnson, saying, hey, someone's breaking into your home, do us a favor, shoot them. I mean, that's basically what he's saying. We've been talking about uh, the old adage that your home is your castle. Is that true anymore in California? Probably uh, probably not so much. Let's see what you think. 209-551-3483. What do you think about that Florida sheriff's statement versus uh, what we're living under in California? Again, 209-551-3483. And uh, let's go up to Oakdale and uh, Constancia. Welcome. Uh, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Um, in years past, I would have thought the guy was off his rocker, but because a criminal has had all the rights lately, my family, who lives out in the country in Oakdale, have 
hesitated in thinking we would have a chance if we tried to pre- prevent our our family from becoming hurt. We, you know, we have to decide whether or not uh, we would be demonized for using or protecting our family. But I'm a smaller Hispanic woman, and I wouldn't have a chance against a big guy. So I'm faced every day as the world is changing around us to even try to protect myself with my guns. So it is refreshing to hear somebody who has the gut to at least make a criminal think twice before coming onto our property and trying to harm me or my family. You know, you, you bring up such a good point, and what, what comes to my mind as, you, as you're talking, Constancia, is, is deterrent. What deterrent yeah. do we have in California these days for the bad guys or the bad gals breaking into a home? I mean, to, for those of us that, that do have uh, methods of protection at our homes, you know, we need to think in the back of our minds if that person comes through the door or the window and uh, I do neutralize them, so to speak, I'm going to be the bad guy in California and you, yeah. you can be pretty sure you're going to be hooked up. Uh, those of us that have uh, CCW permits, uh, we carry lots of insurance because we know that we're going to get hooked up. We'll, we'll be viewed as the bad guys. And uh, so I think part of that is, and, and I think you, you bring this theme up in, in your point, is what deterrent do we have here in California? Do you think, by the way, and let us, let's think about uh, Sheriff, Sheriff Bob here for a moment. Do you think more of that kind of attitude is going to start appearing across the United States as people just get tired of being victimized? What, what do you think? I really hope something happens. It, I hate to think that we have to become so extreme in our measures or be so cavalier about how we treat others. I, I, that is not my, those are not my values. But if someone is going to harm me or my children or my grandchildren, I want them to just think twice. Yes. We can no longer sit idly by and let the bad guy go. I'm trying to teach my children that the bad guy never wins. But in the state of California... We know that not to be true. Wow. Such a such a great point. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate that today. You you made some excellent points. Uh, thanks for calling in and, and sharing your thoughts with us today. We appreciate that. I'm thinking, uh, you know, Constancia's uh, points uh, about deterrence, about what what example are we are we setting for our children when here in California, in so many areas, the bad guys turn out to have a lot more rights than the good guys. Uh, the, the, the perpetrators seem to have more rights than the victims themselves. What, what does that teach our children? What does it program them to think? As they become adults, they grow up in an environment where where good is bad and bad is good, and everything's upside down and sideways. It, it's so a good point, Constancia. Thank you uh, so much. What do you think? Our number here is 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. Uh, back to Oakdale we go. Hi, Carol. Welcome to the show. 
Hi, good afternoon, Mike. How are you doing today? Great, thank you. Good, good. Hey, you have a veritable or charcuterie of topics this afternoon. It's kind of hard to hang on to everything and make the appropriate <laughs> comments, but um, I do want to narrow uh, my comments down today for just a couple things. There was something I wanted to comment on your open line Friday, and I may wait for that one, but in terms of protecting property and stuff, um, there's a couple things that I wanted to talk about in terms of CCW. And I know there's a lot of people that have CCW and they've gone through all the hoops and there's a lot involved. And I know you as a previous law enforcement officer, you're aware of all the things that have to go on. And I'm sure there's a lot of people, those of us in the county, especially that uh, are law-abiding citizens who have been issued CCW permits. And this is going to be a really against-the-grain comment, but in knowing what I know now, I would have never applied for a CCW, and I would have just gone for a better to be judged by 12 than carried by 6. Because there are so many regulations that you have to know about. You have to carry insurance. You have to sign off on all these different things that you know uh, what situations are correct. And with the way that things are right now, Mike, with everyone coming across the border with this Title 42 thing, which may or may not be blocked by our congressman, another topic, it's very difficult to uh, carry that burden because I think you're actually safer just doing a home defense thing and not going through everything that everybody with the CCW permits has to do because it puts you at just an incredible amount of liability that you know what you're doing and you have to make that judgment much like an officer, much like a peace officer. So I don't know that I would have gone through all those hoops and I think I would have taken my chances. Carol, you make some excellent points. And and, and I have to tell you, the thoughts that you brought up or are bringing up have, they constantly go through my mind. They really do. I think, and, and let, let me just bring it back to the, and, and one of the most important things I think we need to do is, is do constant training. That's a must. Uh, if you have a CCW permit and you don't train on a fairly regular basis, you're a threat to yourself as well to everyone else. You have to know. You have to keep training active so that you have good command of that weapon. But secondly, Carol, and, and this is what brought this to my mind, um, the, the outfit that I go to for training and for certification, the range master always makes this speech at the top of each training. If you cannot check that box that says you are willing to take the life of another person and accept the consequences in California, don't get a permit, don't carry a weapon. And Carol, I think that fits into what you're saying. Here in California, we have to be so careful. And I think uh, all of us that do have CCW permits uh, have to think through that. I know, and, and it's something that I have to accept, and, and you're right on the money, Carol. I want to affirm what you're saying. I know that if I get into a life-and-death confrontation and I take the life of someone else because they are threatening my life or someone in my immediate area or one of my family members, I will be the bad guy. 
and I am going to get hooked up and I am likely to be charged. And if I'm not carrying insurance, I'm really dead in the water, uh, so to speak. So I, I resonate with what you're saying, Carol, and maybe some of the rest of you that have CCW permits, I'd be interested in your perspectives on this as well. Uh, Carol, yeah, right on the money. I, I think uh, great, great point there. Let me ask you, though, before you go, would you have a different perspective on that if you lived uh, in Santa Rosa in Florida and uh, Bob Johnson was your sheriff? I think um, in light, I mean, I think Sheriff Dirksy here is excellent. I liked Sheriff Adam. He was excellent as well. And I know Sheriff Dirksy has kind of cut down a little bit on some of the, he's been a little bit more, um, probably I will say a little more strict on some of the regulations here, but I think in light of what he's had to go through with the state, because the state runs so much of what goes on here. We've Mm -hmm. had meetings with our, district representatives uh, regarding certain issues, which can go to another day. But they basically say, you know what, we don't have any control. Everything we do goes through the state. And basically, I'm like, well, then why are you here? You know, why do we have a district representative if your answer is, well, we don't have any control? Well, then where's the problem? You know, if we need to have someone who can have representation and have control, but at this point in California, and I'll get back to your point, we don't have any because of the way that the state is run. Now, in terms of Florida, that's all well and fine and good. But if it's the same as it is everywhere else, and you know as well as I do that CCW is a federal type thing, mm-hmm. that Florida is still under some of the same regulations as other federal entities uh, being the union of the 50 states. I don't really see that it's going to be that much different. It sounds great. I mean, I totally agree with what he has to say. Yeah, go ahead. Protect your stuff. But when it comes down to somebody suing you and saying, you know that this is the correct thing to do, and here again, back to your point, law enforcement officers have a lot of opportunity for training. I agree that you need to go out and use your firearm and be proficient with it. But when it comes down to that point, when you're looking at a three-second response time, none of us know what we would do. There's not one person on the face of the earth that can absolutely say, if I was in that situation, this is exactly what I would do. Even though you go through all the simulation things that you do as law enforcement and everything, when it comes down to your gut, there's only one person that knows what's going to happen, and that's you at that moment. Mm -hmm. It's that split second. Yeah, uh, and, and we do react the way we train, but we can't train for everything, uh, Carol, and I think you make a great point. Carol, excellent, excellent call today. Thank you so much. And uh, yes, Fridays are what's on your mind, Fridays. And uh, so you're always welcome to call on on other subjects on Friday. Carol, great call. Thanks so much for calling in today. Uh, Carol from Oakdale. Mm, Good thought-provoking things for us to think about. We'll be back with more things to think about on The Mike Douglas Show in three minutes here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Welcome back to the Mike Douglas Show here on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Uh, Breaking news here. Uh, This is from uh, reporter Ashley Zavala uh, up in Sacramento. Uh, Says the California Senate budget officials estimate the state's surplus now to be $68 
billion dollars with a B. Sixty-eight billion dollars state surplus. What would you like them to do and be nice with that sixty-eight billion dollars? Maybe give me one or two ideas of what would be the righteous and just and effective and appropriate ways to use that $68 billion surplus. By the way, where that surplus come from? Hmm, that's interesting, isn't it? 209, $68 billion? Good night. 209-551-3483 is our number. 209-551-3483. What uh, should the state do in Sacramento, the, this, this brain trust that we have there, the state capital, what should they do with that $68 billion surplus? Well, here's something they're not going to do with it. Apparently, uh, Senate Pro Tem Tony Atkins and uh, Mr. Rendon, uh, the speaker, uh, are not for reducing or suspending the gas tax. Now, there's over $60 billion in surplus, but by golly, you Californians, you don't think that we're going to suspend the gas tax that goes up in July. No, 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 no. That $68 billion or whatever it is, that, that's our money. That's our money, and, and we will find out and we will determine what is the best way to use that $68 billion. One of the things we're not going to do, according to Senator Atkins and uh, Speaker Rendon, is suspend the gas tax. In fact, uh, here is a, a quote from, I, I think it's on behalf of both of them, uh, the quote is, as we've said before, suspending the gas tax would reduce critical funds available for road repair and improvement projects. Huh. So apparently, $68 billion, that, that shouldn't be used for such ridiculous things as road repair and improvement projects. No, we we need to keep having our pockets legally picked by the state with confix, confiscatory taxation uh, to, uh, to support all that. They went on to say, the better for families rebate that the legislature has proposed would provide the most meaningful relief to the most California families. We are continuing to work through the budget process to get financial help to Californians as quickly as possible. I don't believe it. Based upon history, I don't buy it. Don't believe it. So, $68 billion. $68 billion. Unbelievable. And we're in the middle of a drought. Do we see any of that Any of that $68 billion helping the drought? Or, or would you, like uh, the legislature, would you just like to see some of that just go back into the pockets of Californians? 
And my guess is it won't go into the pockets of all Californians now. All Californians who pull up to the gas pump and put gas in their vehicles, their pockets are being picked legally by the state of California with, I think, what is the highest gas excise tax in the nation. If not, it's near the highest. We we all, all of us who put gas in our car will get nailed with that. But I'm guessing that if they do decide to take some of that $68 billion and return it to Californians, they'll find some reason that a lot of us uh, should, should not get some of that back. What do you think they ought to do with the $68 billion with a B dollars of state surplus? Isn't that mind-boggling? Our number here, 209-551-3483. 209-551-3483. And so while that's going on in, in Sacramento, in Washington, D.C., the FDA is, is busy doing really important things like proposing two rules that would ban mel- menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. Hmm. And they say this would be uh, the most aggressive U.S. action to regulate tobacco products probably ever. Do you think that's a priority for the FDA right now? Looking at the pandemic and the vaccines, this and that and the other thing, do you think that's appropriate? That That's what the FDA ought to be addressing right now is you can't have menthol cigarettes and flavored cigars. I don't mean, I, I'm not sure what that means, if it means menthol-flavored cigars or just flavored cigars, uh, period. I, I don't smoke, never have, so I have I have no dog in that fight, so to speak. But to me, if people want to smoke at home, their business, well, our business is talking about the issues. We'll do that again tomorrow. Here on the Mike Douglas Show from 3 to 5 p.m. on What's On Your Mind Friday. Get your topics ready. We'll be back tomorrow on Power Talk 1360 KFIV. Have a wonderful evening.